0: Would you put your hand on your heart? Would you close your eyes and would you say, Lord Jesus, Jesus, would you speak to me? And would you change me? Holy Spirit, I welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you be seated. Let's give the worship team a nice big club offering for awesome praise. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's uh, great to be back in our home church of Australia. How many of you know this is our home church? Yeah, I don't think they knew that. <laughs> well, we've been here since uh, 2011. Is the first time we came to Australia, and we ministered in this very church, and we had a two-week revival or three-week revival. I can remember two-week revival, and it was an awesome time. And so, uh, by God's grace, Pastor James... Uh, has accepted us as being members of this church, if I could say that, members, part of this fellowship. And so it's nice to be back home. I wasn't here last year. We've been quite busy traveling around. Those of you who don't know my wife, Shemaine, why don't you stand up and just everybody see who my pretty wife is. Hallelujah. Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing, so she's my thing, not your thing. You leave her alone. Hallelujah. It's been an awesome time. We've uh, done a lot of traveling since you've last seen us. Uh, may I ask, how many of you have not been in one of my meetings before? Raise your hand if you've never been in any of my meetings. All right, if so most of you have. That's exciting. How many of you know that my job is to make the devil mad and Jesus glad? Who can say amen to that? Who, who wants to make the devil mad with me this week again? Come on. Nobody, wow, come on. Who wants to make the devil mad with me this week? Praise God. We're going to see revival come. Well, uh, uh, just this year alone, you know, it's always good to bring report back to your home church. Um, Just this year alone, Shemaine and I have uh, literally been around the world, and uh, we've been traveling and uh, preaching the gospel. The furthest place we've been is up in Alaska, preaching to the Eskimos this year. Hallelujah. We, we led a whole bunch of Eskimos to Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give God praise for that. God um, opened up doors for us to go into certain villages. And uh, for instance, in one of the villages, that's only 700 people. We had a uh, hundred, I'm talking two meetings. That's all I had was two meetings. I wish I had more. But in two meetings, out of the whole population of that village of 700, 112 people gave their hearts to Jesus. Isn't that exciting? Even the uh, village leaders and the uh, the head men and even their spiritual leaders, they all got saved in our meetings, praise God. And so it's been exciting um, uh, since you've seen us last I was just trying to work out, I think that um, you've seen us last, we've led over 30 to 40,000 people to Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Come on, 30,000, 40,000 people giving their hearts to the Lord and uh, we have just had an awesome time. So here we are, we've been quite a time in Australia, we've uh, experienced some great moves, I'll speak about that a little bit later. But I just want to lay a foundation for you this morning for the week um, that's lying ahead. How many of you agree that we do need a revival again? I have come to the absolute conclusion and understanding that 90% of the local church does not understand why we need a revival. It sounds exciting to say, why do we need a revival, you know, when we speak about it? Uh, You know, I've been in many countries where churches have names up that says Revival Center. You know, that's the name of the church, and it sounds all good, but when you go inside, it's as dead as anything. Who knows what I mean by that? So what is the purpose of a revival? Revival is needed in the church. Revival is not needed out there. Salvation is needed out there. Revival is needed in here. Why? Because it's the church's job to win souls. We can say amen. It's the church's job. It's your function. It's not my function. It's not his function to win souls. It's your function to win souls. Well, that went down good. Hello. If you don't believe that, Ephesians tells us very clearly and I'll speak on that later in the week, but he speaks about that God has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. That's called the fivefold ministry. And the fivefold ministry has been called to equip you, the saints, so that the saints are to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It is the saints' job to win souls, it is the saints' job to. to Go out there. So this morning, I want to impart three questions. I want to ask each and every one of you three questions. And I want you to answer these questions quietly in your own heart. And we'll see what God's going to do from there. So if you'd open your Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. I've come to a second conclusion in my life in the last three years. Conclusion number one is most of the people don't know what revival is about. And number two, I've come to the conclusion that most Christians, I would say 80% of most Christians do not believe the Bible. Now that's a very hard statement I've just made there. It's, it's one thing to quote a scripture, but it's another thing to live the scripture. Who knows what I mean by that? There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, yet they look like the devil. There's a lot of commandments God has given us in His Word, yet 90% of most Christians are not following the commandments of God, even though they say, I believe it. They're not applying it. Hello? Well, bear with me. Luke chapter 5, verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. I wonder... The owner of that house, how mad he got because somebody broke the roof up. Can you imagine how mad we would get if that had to happen in your house? But the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, somebody say faith. Faith. Come on, say it again. How many believe you've got faith? You know, it's amazing to me, the Bible very clearly, and those of you who know me will understand where I'm coming from, but Hebrews 11 clearly states that it says, faith without works is dead. Is that true? Yeah. Faith without works is dead. And there's a lot of people who say they have faith, but they don't have the accompanying works to prove their faith. That's why I said most people say they believe the Bible, but they're not applying the Bible. Jesus was moved by their faith because they were doing something to see something happen. Jesus said to the man, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? They even turned to Jesus, accused him. Who can forgive our sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? See, when I made a couple of statements right now, there's a lot of reasoning in your hearts going on this morning. And that's good. Because the word is to get you thinking. Who can say amen? What does the word repentance mean? Repentance means to change your way of thinking. So I got you thinking this morning already, and we only just started the meeting. Hallelujah. Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise up, Take your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. How many of you know that's exciting? But let's look at verse 26. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God, and they were filled with what's the next word? Come on, help me. What's the next word? They were filled with fear. They were filled with fear. Imagine that. People seeing Jesus do a miracle, and they were filled with fear. Now, we know that fear is not the fear in trembling as in being afraid, but that is awe, that is standing back in amazement, um, bewildered, stunned. There's so many words we can use there. And then they said the following. They said, we have seen strange things today. So my first question to each and every one of you in this room this morning who calls yourself a Christian, my question to you, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, is this. When last have you seen something strange happen in church and in your own personal life? When last have you seen the supernatural happen in your life? I'm not talking about your pastor's life. I'm not talking about some guy on TV who's doing something for God. I'm asking you as a born-again Christian sitting in this room this morning When last have you seen something strange? When last? And if you haven't, why not? Why haven't you seen something strange happen? We were up in, um, in Cairns. I was preaching in Cairns. And um, one evening, the Holy Spirit was so very powerfully strong in the meeting, and uh, this is just a few weeks ago, and uh, while we were in the meeting, the Holy Spirit came so upon me, I'm supposed to be the guest speaker, but I couldn't even stand on my feet. I fell out under the power of God, and um, the the whole house was just filled suddenly with God's presence, and then... Um, Somehow I made it from up front here to get on the platform, and when I got onto the platform, because I had a prophetic word I wanted to give to the church, I couldn't even walk. I was so overwhelmed by the power of God. People were falling out all over the church. There was a couple of hundred people there, and the people just falling out under the power, and the worship team that was there, they were singing, but um, they too got so full of the presence of God, that the, the singers all had, and it was just lady singers, by the way, the lady singers had their hands, you know, the microphone was away from their mouth, they were all having their hands raised singing, and through the sound system, we heard men's voices singing. Hello. Voices of men singing, and everybody was looking around, and there was nobody singing in any form of microphone, but there were voices of men singing as clearly as you hear my voice, and it was such a perfect harmony, pitch, you know, uh, uh, singing, and, and everybody was just stunned. And then, out of that, there were trumpets that were being blown, not one, but a whole bunch of trumpet sounds coming out, And there was not one trumpet or one ram's horns or whatever you want to call it in the building. Ay, ay, (laughs) ay. Come on, who's hungry for the supernatural? When last have you seen strange things? Obviously, we all came to the conclusion it was angelic visitation that we had in the church. Hello, somebody. The angels were there, and most people would look at you and say, I don't believe in stuff like that. That's my point. When last have you as a Christian seen strange things? In February of this year, in our country, we were having a revival meeting in the, in the church, and as I was preaching the Shekinah glory of God, this is now my sixth visitation I've seen, the mist of God came into the building, and everybody was knocked down under the power of God, and God started healing, and demons started manifesting all over the place. When last have you seen strange things? When everybody thought, well, I don't believe in this stuff, well, we were up in Mackay. You guys just came from Mackay. While well, I was preaching uh, in, a, in a, um, Pastor Craig's church, and uh, on the Thursday night, I think it was, I can't remember, after I had preached, we got on the platform, just started getting in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, and... Um, the next minute, the, uh, the uh, uh, sound guys, Joel, those of you who were here, uh, uh, Joel, uh, he was the sound man. He um, started muting every microphone that was on the platform. And after he had muted every, mi- every uh, microphone, there were voices coming again through the sound system, and he took the sliders of the mixing disc and put them down to zero. So it is an impossibility for any sound to come through a microphone, yet they heard the angels singing with us again. Who's hungry for the supernatural? My question is, how, how, when last have you heard or seen strange things happen? I can stand here the whole morning and give you testimony after testimony on what we have seen God do. But but my question is, it is good for me to share a testimony because hopefully I'm building up, you know, something in you. But my question is, when last have you experienced strange things? Let's go to Luke chapter 7. You know, when we drove into Gladstone last night, the demon started manifesting again in Gladstone, knowing this man is back again. We've come to make the devil mad, hallelujah. I'm sick and tired of the religiosity that is in the churches. The people who who can put up a show, and they can speak things, but they cannot really experience the true move of God. Well, Luke 7 verse 11 says, Now it happened... The day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd and when he came near the gate of the city behold a dead man was being carried out and only the so, sorry the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the city was with her and when the Lord saw her he had compassion on her And he said to her, do not weep. And then he came and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Imagine that, going to a funeral procession, stopping it, and he raises the dead, I wonder if they still held on to the coffin or dropped it and ran away when that body set up. I don't know. (laughs) But look at verse 15, 16. Then fear, somebody say fear. I have come to another conclusion in my life that most Christians don't have the fear of God anymore, that God is a word. The Bible is a book, and that our opinions about God overruns the Word of God. Hello. There's a lot of people who say they're Christians, yet when the Word, the Scripture, brings direction and tells us certain things, most Christians don't believe the Word, because their will and their emotions is overriding the will of God. How many of you know God's will is His Word? Yeah. Come on, somebody. Come on. Most people call themselves Christians don't believe in the Bible because they're not applying the Bible. Why? Because they don't have the fear of God on them. I think it's time to get the fear back in the house. You can say amen. amen. While I'm bold in my preaching, you know there's a story in the under the... New Covenant, because some people get so, you know, caught up in this grace thing, that, uh, you know, Peter, there was a man and a woman called Ananias and Sapphira. Who knows about them? Yeah. And they were wealthy people, and they had an extra piece of property. And listen to this now. Their intention was to sell this property and take the money and give it to the church who agrees. Oi, anybody with me? Who knows that story? Yeah. That was their intention. Their intention was we're going to take this money. We're going to give it to the church. So they sell the property and they discover, woo, we got so much money here. Hang on, now we can't give all this to the church. So they take some of that money and they pocket the money, put it in the, you know, and they go to church. And when they come to Peter, they take out this money which wasn't the whole amount they intended to give originally, they take it out and hand it over to Peter. And Peter looks at them, but being led by the Spirit of God, and says, is this what you intended to give? Is this everything you want? They said, yes, it was. They said, why do you lie to me? You, you can lie to me, but you cannot lie to God. Hello, somebody. And he said, just because you lie to God, that man, Ananias, dropped down dead in church. Is that true? Well, let me put your mind at ease. I won't pray for you to drop down dead this morning. But let me ask you this. How many of you intended to bring your whole tithe to church? Because you believe the Bible and you say, oh, I believe in tithing. But you know what? Most of you are holding back your tithe. And you're not really giving your full portion that should be given to God. Your intention in your heart is there, but the acting of your intention is not coming into fulfillment. Uh-oh. Am I speaking the truth? I am speaking the truth. His wife came back, you know, and uh, Peter goes to and says this money that that your husband brought to church, was that what you intended to give? And she said, yes, that was what we intended to give. And he said, well, you've lied just like your husband, and the way he died, you will die the same way. And she dropped down dead in church. And do you know if you read a little bit on, the, the Bible says, then the fear came upon the church. But most Christians don't fear God and respect the word of God and apply the word of God. We say it, but we're not doing it. Who gets what I'm trying to do this morning? So you say, well, what are you trying to do? That's why we need a revival. We need revival to get, get back to the fear of God by believing the Scripture and doing the Scripture. Look at verse 16. It says, Then the fear came upon all of them, and they glorified God, and they said, A great prophet has risen up amongst us, and God has visited His people. Now look at verse 17. And this report went about him. This report about him went throughout all Judea and all surrounding region. Question number two. What report do you carry? What do people speak of you outside of this church? How do they see you? What are you known as? What fruits do you carry? Is anybody with me? Come on, Christian. I'm speaking to you this morning. What report do you carry? How do the people see you? Do they see Jesus in you? Do they see the world in you? Do they see your lifestyle portraying the world more than portraying Christ? One guy got mad at me and said, I just don't like the way you preach. You preach too hard. You preach this straight. Let me tell you, Christianity is not a popularity contest. You will be an offense to people. And if you say, but that's wrong, well, then Jesus was an offense to many people. He provoked people. Yeah, come, on. come on. Jesus provoked people. Either they loved Him or hated Him. Come on. The religious hated Him. The sinners loved him. And we are sitting with many people in church today who are religious, and they hate the truth being told. And most Christians are hiding away from the truth, and they don't want to stand in the truth because they don't want to be confronted or get into arguments. They stay away from that. So guess what we happen? We become neutral in our faith. We become neutral in our thinking. Que Sirrah, Sirrah, What will be, will be. Oi, oi, oi. You guys are facing, and I say you guys because I'm not an Australian, but you guys as Aussies, you are facing one of the greatest spiritual attack and warfare that this country has seen with the vote that's coming up. Am I speaking the truth? Now, some people are going to get mad at me and say, well, I, you know, all I'm saying is, do you as a Christian believe the Bible, number one, and do you believe what God stands for in this matter? See, most Christians, they say, well, and that well is where the compromise comes in and the no fear of God comes in. I'll leave that thought with you. Can I go on? Go to Revelations chapter 12. Who understands? We need revival. Come on, Christian. The greatest persecution that is hitting the Western church right now is the gay and lesbian movement. That's the greatest persecution upon us as the Western church. When you go to the eastern side, you'll find the greatest persecution are Christians who are being beheaded, killed, filleted alive, and and stoned to death for their faith. I wonder what would happen if that had to come to this country. What would happen if you were going to be stoned and killed for your faith? How would you stand then? We only get persecuted by people with words. Come on, Christian, some Christians can't even handle wordly persecution. How are you going to handle bodily persecution? Wow, that went down good. Pastor James knows we need to get all of you in a suitcase and take you on some trips overseas to go and show you the reality of the world. You're living in a bubble in Australia. Hello, somebody. You are blessed, but the devil still blinds us. Watch this, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. You should have underlined this in your Bible because it says, And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Question number three Mr. and Mrs. Christian, what fresh testimony do you carry for the sake of the gospel? What testimony do you carry? Do you have a fresh report? Do you have a fresh testimony on what Jesus Christ has done through you? How many souls have you led to the Lord? How many people have you got delivered? How many visitations did you have with Jesus? When last did you have an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And I'm not talking about jumping up and down in the marsh, bed. I'm talking about having a personal encounter with a king. When last, did you see Jesus do something supernatural? Brother Dion, I really don't like what you're saying. Why? Well, because you're offending me. Why? Well, because I can't answer the questions you're giving me. Good. You need revival. You're dead in Christ. A lot of you sitting here this morning won't even be back tonight because you don't have fear of God, you don't love Him, you don't respect Him, and you don't want even to even be back here tonight. Uh-oh. Why? Because your family, your job, your, your worldly love, your, your, your lust of the flesh and the lust of the life and all of that that's out there, I would rather go there than fear God and come in here. I've made the world number one and Jesus number two. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's speaking to you, not to me. Hallelujah. Praise God. (laughs) It's true. Some of you are looking at me. You're listening, but you're not listening. Because when I said, you won't even come back tonight, you hear that, but you're not responding by saying, oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know what, brother? You're here until Friday night, so we'll, you know, I'll knit one, skip one. Come on, one night, skip the other night. You know, I'll catch you on Friday night. And God wants you to be here every night because He's got something for you. He wants to equip you. He wants to prepare you. He wants to train you up. Come on. He wants to use you. Well, thanks for that encouraging amen. He wants to use you. What fresh testimony do you have, Christian? What do you have? What do you have? I was preaching up in uh, Harvey Bay. There was a man who was in an accident. He was hit by a car and dragged over the tall road. And the ankle bone, there's a big hole like that. We have pictures of it. The whole bone was, was taken out. He, he lost his ligaments. The ligaments were worn out. His foot was stuck. They had to work everything together and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know how, if we could use uh, the worldly term weld these bones together, you know, if I could use that word. He couldn't even use his foot. But anyway, it, he had no bone. And in one of my meetings while I was praying, God came and did a creative miracle by putting a whole new ankle bone there and loosening the joints so that he had the full working of his foot again. Come on, creative miracles. Nobody's getting excited about that. Can't Jesus get some praise for the miracles that he can do? Hallelujah. Huh? I have fresh testimonies. Testimonies of God. People who have encountered God. I can stand again this morning. Now, some people would say, Oh, you're just an arrogant, braggadocious, you know, buffoon. No. I'm not here to brag on what I can do. I'm trying to make a point. I would love... To come to a church like this on a Sunday morning, and I would love the pastor to tell me, Brother Dion, you're not preaching this morning. I'd say, why not? He says, because my congregation is going to stand up, and they're going to take the microphone, and they are all going to share a testimony on what they did for Jesus since you were here last time. That's what I want to have happen. I think I'll die and go to heaven right there. Hallelujah. How many souls, ladies and gentlemen, listen, pastor said it this morning, the love of money, you know, and it's sad to speak about money, but let me ask this, what can you and I take to heaven when we die? Can you take your car with you, your house with you, you know, your clothes and your thousand dollar jeans that you're wearing? Can you take anything like that with you when you die, or can you only take people with you to heaven? What is of the most value to a Christian? Souls. We have a beautiful, full church this week. If a Sunday morning is this full this morning, then tonight we shouldn't have space for the visitors that are coming in. But you know what's sad? Tonight will be half the crowd. Because you don't have a vision for souls and a heart after God. Yes, I've done my religious duty. I've come here to listen to you preach. I've come to see you. I've, I've said, Pastor James, hello, here I am. You see, I'm a good Christian. I'm here this morning. No. We need you. God needs you. Who can say amen? amen. He needs you. Amen. Let us win 500 souls this week for Jesus. I said we can win 500 souls. We already were two, 300 this morning. If each one of us just brought somebody, we could have a big fat revival. We can move to the stadium, man. But do you want that? Listen to my question. Do you really want a move of God? Don't just say that because a move of God costs a price. It's going to cost your time, your family, your sleep, your money. It's going to cost everything. Sometimes your reputation. You know what that means? The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man has gone, the new man has come. Is that true? But if you are concerned about your reputation and what people might say or think about you, it means you're not dead. The old man in you is still alive. If you take offense, the old man in you is still alive. Hello? A dead person in Christ cannot be offended. The only reason I get offended is because I'm still living with my feet and hands outside of the grave. Just the body was buried, you see. You're not getting what I'm doing. Who wants revival? Are you sure? Hebrews 4.12, you know this says, for the word of the pastor. (laughs) How would you know? You don't even have your Bible here this morning. How can you come to church without a Bible, for goodness sakes? How do you know what I'm preaching is the truth? Come on, open up your Bible. Hebrews 4.12, he says, for the word of the evangelist. Nobody's helping me here. For the word of God is living and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hello? Not my word, God's word. One guy said to me, you preach a hard word, brother. I said, what do you mean I preach a hard word? He said, the things that you've been reading from the Bible is hard. I said, is it my word or God's word that's hard? What are you saying to me? Are you getting what I'm doing? Is my word hard or is God's word hard? It depends on what side of the line you are. If you're a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, non-compromising Christian, the Word of God is beautiful. But if I'm a Christian who's compromising, not filled, you know, I'm just one foot in church and one foot in the world, you'll hate the Word of God, and you will not apply the Word of God. Say this, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of my heart. How many of you agree? Then I'll end off with this. Matthew chapter 21. Send your neighbor and say he's reading the word. Come on, your neighbor didn't hear that. Say it again verse 28 Jesus is speaking how many of you still believe in Jesus and how many believe in the words of Jesus it's like I was in the church one day where the guy said he said I don't believe in the words of Jesus anymore because that is old covenant he says everything Jesus said doesn't apply to us in today's age can you imagine that A minister saying everything Jesus said doesn't apply to us today. I don't know that some people could stand in the pulpit and say stuff like that. I mean, Jesus is my Savior. Who can say amen? Jesus paid the ultimate price. Who can say amen? Jesus suffered and died on the cross. Who can say amen? Not a man, not somebody else's whatever. It's Jesus. Jesus is my King. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is the one I follow who can say amen. He's my commander. He's my leader. He's my general. What His Word says stays. Amen. Who can agree? His Word. And most, most ministers won't even read. Not here. I know Pastor James' heart. But most ministers will, won't even read the words of Jesus anymore. Skip those chapters. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Jesus says in verse 28, what do you think? Are you with me? Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first son and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. Well, the son answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it, and he went. And he came a second to the second son. And he said to the second son, likewise. He said, son, go and work in my vineyard. Now look what the second son says. He says, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Which of the sons did the will of his father? Well, the people answered, and they said, the first son did it. Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. See, we're sitting with a group of people here this morning, and all over the world, people sitting in church, and Jesus teaches us about a father who has two sons. Now, all of us are sons and daughters of God who can say amen and Jesus speaks in this teaching and says the father said go and work for me today now what does that mean to you and i well let's make it real simple matthew chapter 28 verse 19 jesus says to us this morning go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature who knows that scripture nobody's helping me come on who knows that scripture <laughs> Make disciples. Go, preach this gospel. And when you've got somebody saved, he says, then you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the commandment of Jesus Christ who can say amen. You all said here this morning, you say, yes, I believe it. But let me ask you a question then. You said, yes, you will do it. You said, yes, you will believe it. Now, how many of you actually got somebody saved in the last month? I'll be gracious, two months. When last did you, Mr. and Mrs., son and daughter Christian, when last did you lead somebody to Jesus? Well, brother, I don't like what you're saying. You're offending me. Why? Because Jesus had asked you to do something for him, and you point-blankly refused to obey Jesus Christ? Not what I said, what Jesus asked you. Not actually, he didn't even ask us. He told us, go. Go. Am I speaking the truth? Go! There were two sons. One said, I go, sir. But he didn't go. But guess what happened afterwards? He regretted what he said. He repented. Bless God. Revival hit that man. You can say amen. There's a lot of people who say, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Yet they still don't do it. The thing that hurts me as a traveling minister I think the most in my life, and I know there's many other ministers who feel like me, is that we can come in and preach our hearts out to you. And you know, we have a week meetings. Why do we have a week meetings? Because every meeting is different and God meets us on different fashions and ways. Who says amen to that? That's why we have extended meetings. If revival broke out in one meeting, we would have revival every Sunday. But that's not what it is. We're just having regular church services. Now we come and we, we minister the word and we, we you know, I, I, I beg and plead with you and so does pastor. We say, come on, let's do something for God. and We lay hands on you. Man, I've laid hands on many of you here. Not once, many times. You've fallen out under the power of God. God has anointed you. God has prepared you. And then I go away, come back the next year and say, how many souls have you won for Jesus since I last laid hands on you? And you know what? Very few, if ever, somebody will raise their hand and say, I led so many to Jesus. I did this for Jesus. Who understands my heart? It's broken. It's broken if my heart is hurting so much in the rebelliousness of the church. How much more does Jesus, our Savior, how much does His heart hurt? Because he asked you to go. He asked you, go, please. You say, yes, I'll do it, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Woo! And yet you haven't led a soul, ministered, laid hands, done something. Well, I put 50 bucks in. I put $50 in for for the missions. Your mission's field is your next door neighbor. Your mission's field is your school. Your mission's field is your office. Come on, somebody. Your mission's field is the gas station down the road or, or, the, or the, the shopping mall. Hello, somebody. That's our, that's our mission's field. God's heart is hurting. Somebody would say, I can never believe that. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Who knows that scripture? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So I have a question. Can God be unpleased with us? Does that mean He hates us? Never. But how many of you parents that are sitting here this morning, you ask your child to do something and your child just point blankly refuses. They just refuse to do. Do you get disappointed in your child? Are you hurt because of your child's disobedience? Of course. What parent will never get offended or hurt by that? Hello, somebody. God looks at his church and he says, I've asked them. I've asked them. And yet they still will not do what I've asked them. So this morning I pray, with this message that I've come in, I pray that the fear of God will come upon you this morning. And you understand when I mean the fear, not being afraid of him, but to say, Lord, I'm doing an inward check, Lord. Have I been what, what, what Dion was speaking about, Lord? Do I have a fresh testimony? What report do I carry? When last have I seen strange things? Jesus, am I obedient to your word? Do I even believe the Bible? Am I, am I trustworthy, God, to be called a son and a daughter of God? Where am I? I hope you love me this morning. And if you don't repent because you're sinning then. (laughs) Who receives this message? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I'm going to ask that nobody would leave. Nobody would move. Are you in a backslidden state, Christian? Have you backslidden? Are you here this morning because it's your tradition? I'm asking you, have you backslidden, child of God? Do you fear Him? Have you really surrendered your life to Jesus? Do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in the commandments of Jesus? Where are you this morning? Is God mad at you? Is God going to send you to hell? No. But the Son regretted his mistake by being disobedient to his father. He made a promise and then he, re- he didn't fulfill the promise and he regretted it. He repented and he went to do what his father told him. God has created an opportunity this week for us to have a revival service. Most of you sitting here have already figured out when you're going to come and when you're not going to come. Most of you even decided that you will maybe do one meeting or three meetings. Skip the other ones. God is calling at you this morning and knocking on your door. And He's saying to you, I want to give you a fresh testimony. I want you to come and see strange things this week. I want to use you, empower you, equip you, train you. But you cannot have that if you are not sold out for Jesus. This morning is a call for the backslider. This morning is a call for the prodigal son who lost his way. This morning is a call for the daughter who lost her way, who went out and spent all the inheritance and now finds himself or herself amongst the pigs. And the man came to his senses and returned to his father's house where the father was about to put a cloak and a ring on his finger and a cloak over his shoulder. This morning, God is calling the backslider back and he's saying, come on, come on back to me. Come on back to me. If you're sitting there and you say, Brother Dion, your word has hit me hard this morning. And yes, I agree. I'm a backslider. Yes, I sit in church. Yes, I sing a song and yes, I raise my hand, but I haven't been obedient to the commandments of Jesus. Brother Dion, I want you to pray for me. This morning, I want to repent. This morning, I want to turn my back on the devil and on the world. I want to get back to Jesus. And I want to be obedient to Jesus. Dion, please pray for me. Please pray for me, Dion. I need to come back to Jesus. I need to make Him the center of my life again. With nobody looking except me. If you'd like for me to pray for you this morning. I cannot make a choice for you. I cannot make a decision for you. You have to make that own decision. You know where you are with Jesus. You know your relationship with Him. You say, Dion, please pray for me. I want to get back to Jesus this morning. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. It's going to be tough. You're afraid of the person next to you's opinion. You're afraid of somebody else's thinking about you. It's a tough decision you have to make this morning. But it's a choice between you and Jesus. One, two, three. Said Dion, here's my hand. I lift my hand up. Please pray for me. I want to get back to Jesus. I want to get back to the Word. I want to get back to obeying Him and fearing Him. Many hands have gone up this morning. And I'm gonna ask everybody who raised their hands, will you be bold and brave? Would you stand up to your feet right now? Come on, those of you raise your hands. I dare you take a stand for Jesus this morning. Take a stand for Jesus. Take a stand for Jesus. If your heart is pounding, In your chest right now and your hands are sweating and you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable. That means the Holy Spirit is standing there with you right now. He's knocking on your door and he's saying, come on. Come on, let me in. Let me help you. Those of you that are standing, would you help me? Would you please be so kind as to move forward to the platform? Come out of your pews. Come stand down here by me. I want to pray with you. Come on down. Kate, are you available? The rest of you that are sitting there in the pew looking at the ground, I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, are you backslidden, neighbor? Come on, ask your neighbor, have you backslidden? Don't ignore me. You're all ignoring me. Ask them. Confront them. Are you right with Jesus? If you're not right, stand up and come on down here. Let revival begin in your heart this morning. Is there anybody else? I know there's a lot of you. I can see you. You so want to stand up. But you're just like something's holding you there. The fear of man is holding you. Satan is binding you. We break that in Jesus' name. Anybody else? Come on down. Come on down. I'm just waiting for you. God's not mad at you. God doesn't hate you. That's why he sent me here to preach to you this morning. He's calling you back. He's calling you back. With open arms. Some of you have given over to the world. You've given over to the lust of the flesh. He's calling you back. Just stand up and come on down. Come on. I know you want to do it, just do it. Personal, you and him. Some of you come from a background in the past where messages like this used to be preached frequently. I'm saying it again. A lot of you have come out of a background where messages like this was preached often and you feared the Lord and you went hard after God. There wasn't any room for compromise. And now, slowly but surely, it has all been watered down. God's calling you back to Him. He's calling you back. My last call, and I'll pray for these people. Is there anybody else who wants to make right with him? Let's all stand to our feet. You guys up front again you and Jesus I'm just the messenger the decision you make right now is between you and him like the prodigal son coming back to the father like the the son who said father I'll go and work for you but then he didn't go but repented that's who you are this morning For the rest of us that are here this morning, it's not a sad service. It's quite a good service this morning because God is speaking to us who can say amen. amen. And God's changing our way of thinking and God's preparing us. I do believe that the return of the Lord Jesus is near. That does not make us complacent. That does not make us lazy. This is more than ever the time that we need to stand up and fight. In actual fact, there should be an urgency in every Christian's heart. We need a move here in Gladstone. We need a move of God. Drugs and alcohol, rape and murder and violence. The stuff is so extreme. It's getting worse and worse. The persecution on the Christian church. The voice of the church dying out quietly. People too afraid to stand for the truth. People too afraid to get into confrontations. God, bring revival to Gladstone. God, bring revival to this church. Bring it to this city, Father. Change us this morning, Lord. I pray this morning, Father, that your fear will fill our hearts. That the fear of God will come back into the church again. That we will respect you, God, and honor you for who you really are. Would everybody in the front and the back say this with me? Heavenly Father, I stand before you this morning. And according to the scripture, in the first book of John, Chapter 1, verse 9, you said, if I will confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess all my sins, my wicked deeds, my immoral ways. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me this morning. And I believe with all my heart that the blood of Jesus washes me and cleanses me of all unrighteousness. As I stand here now, I have no more sin. I have been forgiven and I have been cleansed. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. This morning, I recommit my life To you, Jesus, I want to serve you with fear and trembling, knowing that you hold my life in the palm of your hand. I make you my Lord, my Savior, my King. You are my friend. You are my brother. But first of all, you are my King, and I will serve you. I surrender my life to you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. I turn my back on the things of the world. And I will follow you, Jesus, for the rest of my days in obedience to your commandments. I am your disciple. Because I'm your disciple, you said that if I will love you, I will obey your commandments. I will obey you in Jesus' name. From this day, I'm dedicated to you. Take my life, Lord, and use it in Jesus' name. I know the devil is angry right now at this decision that I have made. But I do not fear the devil. I fear God. And I declare this morning, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I declare this morning, no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper in Jesus' name. And every tongue that has been raised up against me, I will cut it off right now. Every thought, every judgmental word, I cut it off in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare I am victorious I am more than a conqueror. I will move in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I declare I can do all things through Him who gives me the strength and the power and the victory. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer in the name of Jesus Christ. The devil is under my feet and I have victory this morning. Thank you, God. For using me in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, say amen and amen and amen. Come on, shout to the Lord. Come on. Come on. Father, we thank You this morning. We thank You that Your Word is alive and active and it is the truth. And Father, Lord, as it touches our hearts, we respond this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, just for a moment, what we're going to do is, I just love just to take a moment with you guys, just to be, not myself, but just to take a little information, encourage you and just release you again. Is it okay if you were just to file back down the middle aisle here and just go back there into that, what we call our conference room? Is that okay? People will be there, just want to grab.